You're listening to the Sales Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Dallas, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Applegard. Yeah. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about all things sales competition, sales incentives, and what actually motivates people to do those incentives and competitions. Uh, Emily, did you want to talk about what else is going to be on in the podcast? Yeah, I mean, today we're going to go over uh, our first experiences being on the receiving end of a sales incentive and a SPIF. Um, we're going to talk about that for a while and then talk to you about the other side of that, which is we've talked to hundreds of companies about how they're running their sales incentives today um, and the trends that we're noticing. So we're excited to, to chat about that today. Heck yeah. Well, I think I'll jump into my first like sales competition experience um, that really motivated me and what, what made it work and then why it didn't work moving forward. So there, my first job out of college was in property management and the competition that we ran was a, a fun spin the wheel every time you closed a deal. And deals weren't a big deal thing. It was typically just meant like a $100 commission but on this particular month, you got to spin the wheel on top of every commission. And some of the prizes were like 200 bucks. Some of it was like dinner with the, or lunch with the boss, like paid lunch with the boss and a bunch of random things that were completely different. But the game was you just did your job and now you got to play a game on top of it and potentially in whatever it was, you knew you were getting something of value but you just got to figure out how much value it was. And so that got everyone really interested. And that month I made $2,000 in just commissions on the game prize. And that was the most I ever had. It was the only paycheck where commissions were larger than salary. But what happened from that point was they never ran it again. We never had, or even a similar competition like it because it added in now every time someone got a sale, which in that company, it was like an average of 20 to 30 times a month. Now, every single time there was like 10 to 15 minutes, stopped, spin the wheel, add this thing in. And that didn't even factor in like if the prizes themselves of like buying the lunch, if they had to go buy lunch later, or if they had to go get a $200 visa gift card after work. So my experience was it worked so well when people did it, when everyone was playing the game, like everyone's performance went up, there was engagement. It was also around Christmas time. So people were in a great mood overall, but it just added to the conversation. Everyone was talking about it daily. And so there was just an extra reason to be engaged, but because I guess it was too much logistics and maybe they, they didn't forecast out some of the prizes properly, never saw it again. And I, I think that's true with a lot of companies that run a cool competition. I, it seems like they'll run it and people will talk about it for six months and seven months, but they haven't ran it in the last five months. They're just talking about the really cool competition they did. Emily, what's your experience on that? What's your best incentive? I've run into that too, where like they'll do one super good spiff, 
but because it's not organized or like they're not all talking about it, uh, they never do it again, but it's the spiff that gets our team all riled up, you know, and it gets us to stay a little bit later and to be excited about the job that we're doing. Um, so I did run into that a few times, um, as well. Um, and I did notice that near the holidays, the spiffs got a little crazier and I was just thinking, well, like, why not do this all the time when sales aren't as easy? Because, you know, this was my experience when I was, um, in security around the holidays, security sales go up. Um, it's a good time to sell security. Everybody wants an alarm system for, for Christmas. Let's do these competitions during the the regular season too, and and take those slow months and turn them into your best months. But yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Definitely the first spiff that I can remember. I know I had just come out of doing like I did music lessons for years and years and years, and so I was selling these year long agreements to private music lessons. Didn't know that it like quite transferred over to sales yet, so I was kind of timid. Like I came in and was like. I don't know if I'm going to be good at this. Um, did security sales. And what I felt like got me good at it was that competition, right? Like they were running some kind of a spiff and it was something like, like what you said, like $200 for whoever makes the most sales today. And we started using a whiteboard marker on the window and just writing down like, you know, and it was like that kind of like a mix of a walk of shame but also kind of that excited, like, yeah, I'm walking up to the window. I'm going to like put my number up there, but everybody kind of like hated you because, you know, they know that you're going to take that $200 prize anyway. So it was like most sales of the day gets a $200 gift card. And I think the first one we ever did, I must've gotten second place or something like that. And that just really ticked me off. <laughs> I was like, no, I I'm going to get better at this. I need to get better at this because $200 is a lot of money. And I just want to win. And so anyway, I started taking my coaching a lot more seriously, like that whole week, like, okay, I'm going to be freaking awesome at this. And then after that, I remember it was me and this guy named John, like every single competition, just, it was me or John, me or John, me or John. And then I went on this, like, I don't know, I went through this phase where it was me for a long time. And it was really exciting. And I think that pissed John off. And so then it was John for a long time. And then we started noticing like our numbers just kept going up and up and up and up. And it was just cool. Like me and John like pushed each other so hard, but it all stemmed from these spiffs that they were running. And I just, I remember how it all started and me just being ticked off that John won. And that, I didn't realize how much of a theme that was going to be through my whole time there at that company. Right. That reminds me of just an overall point that it's like, I, I really don't think that most people care about like end commission as much as they com care about like a competition with a winner and a quicker prize. Like people are more apt to play the game for the day. Like, oh, from morning till the end of the day, it's a competition. Everyone's involved and everyone's talking smack and getting engaged with it. But no one does that for the like the whole commission structure at the end. No one's like, "Oh, I made seventeen thousand more than you like this month." Like it's a little intense to say to someone too, right? Like, "Oh, I made a lot more money than you." It's like intimidating, but it's totally fine to say I won the gift card and I won this this daily moment. That's a good point because in your first sales role, I don't know if you felt this way, but were you kind of like? If I say like I'm badass at sales, am I being cocky? 
like, like in your first sales role, like you didn't yeah. know that that was actually like a desirable trait yet. You're kind of like, Oh, am I supposed to talk about this? But you can talk about the gift cards you won. And yeah. so it actually teaches you to have like a little bit, a sense of pride of, Hey, yeah, I'm excelling at this. Uh, I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah. I haven't really thought of the fact like, why, why don't people get excited about like the, the commission part? And it's like, there, there are a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to start that conversation specifically. Plus it's a little too spread out and there begins to become too many variables throughout the whole month. And it's like, Oh, I'm better than you. No, it's because you got the better warm leads this month. Right. And all those other types of things, but like the, the mini games, they take away all of those big like variables that, that seem to be like the end result. And that's yeah. kind of where I was, I wanted to lean the conversation to was that's the other problem in a lot of these competitions is it's typically like one stat, one KPI. And maybe for you and John, you know, being the top salespeople, the competition worked really well for you two, but because other people were never winning, maybe there's a few people that were left out and maybe would have stayed longer at the company if they were getting recognized for a different stat. Well, and I, I did think about that a lot when I was there, but like, honestly, it was like, I don't want to deal with the, the math. Eventually I ended up managing a team there and I ran into that where it was like, okay, we have kind of a group of top performers in this one area, but this guy is dialing more than anybody else working harder than anybody else. Um, and I, we felt like that should be rewarded too. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're not going to make commission just because you're dialing. And so we didn't want to reward like just the dials, but could we do like most improved dial to sales ratio? And we had no idea how to run something like that because at the end of the day, it's like, I don't want to end my day where I'm, I'm focused on selling all day long. You know, it was very much sales led management. I'm trying to sell, I'm trying to help my, my team sell. And then at the end of the day, I have to like go on a spreadsheet and try to map it all out and show them, okay, here's your conversion. And here's how much you've improved. But I wish we would have done it because I do think we would have done better because it was traditionally like the same three people kind of competing for the spiffs. Right. And that's, and that's typically what happens. It's either that is the problem or it's the other problem I mentioned. And it worked out really well, but it was just like way too much management logistics. Like, Oh, also that month just so happened that, you know, reports were late three or four days, you know, and it, it was the case for this particular company. Like the, the managers were late three or four days because of likely all this added work just by managing the prize. Just by oh, managing the competition. So hard. And then, you know, if you're using five nine, you know, you gotta love five nine. Five nine's great. But if you're using five nine and and you're trying to figure out how to pull all the reports and everything, you know, for someone who was as young as I was in my career, it was just like a whole ordeal to learn how to use five nine and to pull those reports, let alone actually do something with that data. And so I remember that being a huge struggle for me. Like the first time I ever learned how to do a pivot table was actually at this job because of the sales incentives. I was trying to figure out how to quickly gather this data. I can't believe they actually had you learning pivot tables just to, just to figure out the incentives program. Oh no, that was all just YouTube. That was like, Hey, 
I want us to perform more. We need to figure out a way to do it. Let's create a pivot table. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. And we're going to use this data uh, to quickly figure out who's winning things. And, you know, it, it worked, but it was, it was tough. Lots of YouTube. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think based on the stories we told of our favorite competitions, what we liked and what we didn't like, I think we should end with a competition suggestion each. What incentive do you think right now, based on companies we're working with, companies we're talking to, what's an incentive that is really working for people? If you were going to recommend a company try something, they try this incentive. Yeah. You know, I watched a company do this the other day. It was really interesting to me. They had, it was like a bracket pretty much where they had one person go up, another person go up against them every single day. It would change like who you were going up against. And so you would pretty much try to like defeat this other person. And I thought like, oh, you know, the reward must be crazy, but it wasn't. It was like, a t-shirt and that was kind of the round one. And then round two, like they upped it and the prize was something bigger. I think it was maybe like a $500 gift card. So it's like, Whoa, that's a lot bigger. Um, and so then they all duked it out and then you get to the top and it's like, you know, something crazy like a MacBook and a thousand dollars is the prize at the very end. But then the, my favorite part of it was they're like, all right, all the losers, Let's try again. You have another shot. Um, and I really liked that because a lot of times I feel like we're all waiting for this moment where we find out who the single winner is. But when you have an organization of like, say, 300 reps and you have one winner at the top, what's happening to the rest of the people? Like, are they still engaged or are they just kind of like watching this other person kick ass? That was kind of what I noticed. I learned a lot from that company and what they did. Yeah. And that's funny you, you mentioned it in that manner because where I was going to go with my answer was any competition that has both team and individual prizes involved. Anything that an individual can look at their day and go, okay, four appointments today, that means lunch if I achieve it by two, like guaranteed no matter what. And a hundred cold calls means I'm getting this company t-shirt or a $5 Amazon gift card, no matter what. And all these individual metrics. I think that's great in and of itself. Like, yeah, everyone should have it. Those are the easy ones to set up. But if you can have that with like now four other people on your team this week are going up against five other people on a different team and all those same things that have individual challenges have a point value and whichever team pulls out on top, you're leaving three hours early and you're going to a steak dinner. And that, that is one that I pulled from uh, a recent door to door company. I, I talked to in the, uh, the team versus team steak dinner competition. And it used to just be knocks and deals signed were like one point and five points. You could use that same premise on an individual and then team competition running at the same time with any type of KPI that works for your company. Yeah. And I totally agree. Like if you can make it a simple metric, a simple metric for a simple reward, I know I'm going to get it. If I do these things that just helps people hit their goals. And I think 
you know, I talked to one person, gosh, it was a while back and they're like, oh, so you have to like bribe people to do work. And I thought about that for a long time. Like, okay, well, what, what does that actually mean? And then I thought about like being a manager and like, what's your job as a manager? And when you first meet your hires, you should be asking them, hey, why are you here? You're in sales. Most new sales roles, you're going into it because either you couldn't find anything else or you want to make a lot of money or maybe a mix of both. So why are you here? And, you know, maybe, you know, specifically in like security sales, maybe it's to pay for school or whatever it might be. It's my job as a manager to make sure that they hit their goals. And I need to do anything and everything possible to make that happen. And if that means, you know, hey, these are young people and they're having a hard time thinking of a short-term goal. They're thinking, I want to make $100,000 this year. Well, you need to focus today on making $1,000 first before you make $100,000. And I'm going to help you do that. If you make 100 dials, you're going to get 100 bucks, a dollar a dial or something like that, um, I think is, is only enabling them to hit their goals. And some might consider that bribery. I consider that just good management. Yeah, I look at it as a better way to structure compensation like take some of that off of the the commission that they would earn that you told them in the interview would translate to a converted deal, right? You you probably spoke about quotas. And then if you hit this number, I guarantee you'll see this result. Okay. Then put your money where your mouth is and just give them a, a shorter term incentive. Because right now there's a lot of people that are still looking for people to hire, Right now, despite some of the layoffs you see in the market, there's still record job openings and companies still starting hiring sprees despite all this. So they're out there. This is kind of a side thing, but like I noticed throughout this whole conversation, like at least myself, I'm thinking, yeah, because we're talking about our first jobs that we got to spiff, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about like younger roles, but like now I'm thinking about companies that do like government contracts and it takes freaking like, 12 months or more, like two years to close a deal. Right. You Uh, have to keep the the employees engaged, the sales professionals engaged to be able to have them go through the entire sales process for those people. Right. Exactly. And yeah, how do you keep them going every single day and keep them focused on what matters this month? That's so huge. Right. Because right now there's people that would rather play a video game that after six, seven hours, they actually lost $12 because they bought some in-game add-on, but they have no real world value that came from it. Right. And so how can we take what video games are doing, right. And and put that into the workplace and working with people. Because right now it's, the world is not incentivized to work with people. We're incentivized to close a sale, right? Close a deal. But right now, the, the the incentives behind reaching out to someone you don't know are are really small. Not a lot of companies are rewarding the effort to go put yourself out there and, and say hello to new people. Yet they expect it. They expect results to just happen. They don't they don't care about this whole middle process. Just sign paper and get people yeah. aboard. We talked to a company the other day. I talked to uh, one of their sales reps and they were like, yeah, once I have a lead, 50% of people I've had meetings with close. So what should the company be focused on? 
lead gen. Yeah. Reward people for lead gen because, they, I mean, at least if it goes to this sales rep, 50% of those leads are going to close. So let's get more and more and more into the funnel and let's reward that kind of behavior. And it's really simple. I mean, that, I mean, I've heard of a dollar a dial. I've heard of a point a dial. And, and sure, maybe you don't want to do a dollar a dial, but you could do a point a dial. And that can convert into any kind of currency you want to get company swag or whatever you want to do. But that's filling up the top of your funnel, like those small actions, like talking to people, it really does convert into that, that big long-term goal of getting the sale. Right. And I think more companies need to be doing it. And it's, it's wild that it's already not part of the process. I understand, you know, there's no need to build out all these automations for it per se. And maybe that's too much time investment or technology investment for a company. But I'm surprised there's just not more of a focus, even compensation-wise, on those types of metrics. It's interesting to me. Might as well throw some light prizes out there for everyone to, to work towards. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. And, and the cool thing is, Dallas, like you just mentioned, like not everybody wants to do automation to start. But I guarantee you, whatever CRM you're using, you can count how many dials someone's making. Absolutely. You can count how many conversations someone's making. And that to me is such a, a low hanging fruit opportunity for a company. If you want to start doing gamification at your company or start doing SPIF, start with that because anyone can do that. Yeah, no, I think that's an awesome spot to, to wrap our first sales game theory podcast. Moving forward, we'll have a lot more guests that are leaders in the sales space, VPs of sales, CROs, CSOs, directors of sales, all sharing incentives, competitions that they've used because I think you agree with me, Emily, right? We can go forever and there's always going to be different games and things and rewards and competitions that are worth talking about and trying. Absolutely agree. I'm so excited for some of the guests that we have lined up. Yes. So if you're a sales leader out there just looking for a podcast to feed you sales competition and incentive ideas, please consider subscribing and downloading our podcast. And we'll see you next time. Peace.